0: Chapter Twenty Nine of A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fraser Shepherdson, Melbourne. A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. Chapter Twenty Nine Hargreaves and his chauffeur made the Big Panhard do its best, and it thumped and bounded and jumped along the roads anywhere between 60 and 70 miles an hour, until, within about 15 miles of Newcastle, it became absolutely necessary to slow down or run the risk of manslaughter. Sorry, old man, said Hargreaves, but I really must do it. We can't go charging through these little villages at the speed of the Flying Scotchman. There you are. "'Great Caesar! We nearly did some damage there. "'I'm afraid I've hurt the kid after all.' He shut the power off, jammed the brake down hard, and brought the throbbing, panting monster to a standstill, almost within its own length. "'I am afraid you have,' said Harold, jumping out of the car and running back about twenty yards to where the little girl was standing with her knuckles dug into her eyes, surrounded by a small but vociferous crowd. "'I'm very sorry,' he said breaking through the circle and taking the girl by her shoulders and lifting her from the ground he put her onto her feet again and she stood upright though still shaking with the fright fortunately it's a case of more frightened than hurt i don't think it touched you after all little woman come now i'm in a hurry see if these won't make you feel a bit better he pulled his sovereign case out of his right waistcoat pocket rattled six sovereigns and a half sovereign out of it Took hold of her little tear stained hand, put them into it, closed the fist, broke through the circle again, and jumped into the car. Right away, Hargreaves, let her go. I am afraid that will miss us the train. The car jumped away into space, but now it was necessary to slow down time after time as they passed through the more and more crowded narrow streets leading into the northeastern metropolis. The car ran up one side of the semicircle in front of the Newcastle station, at perhaps a little over-regulation speed. "'Very sorry, Enstone, but I'm afraid we have missed it,' said Hargreaves, as he brought the volcanic monster to a standstill under the clock tower. Harold jumped out, ran into the station, collided with an inspector whom he caught by the shoulders. "'Here. Where are you going at a speed like that?' "'Oh.' "'I beg your pardon, Mr. Renstone.' "'Excuse me, but is there anything serious the matter?' "'Yes, I beg your pardon, Hawkins, running into you like this. "'But there is really something very serious the matter. "'And I've missed the up-express, haven't I?' "'Yes, sir, you have. "'By about two minutes and a half.' "'That was the kid's fault for nearly getting in the way,' thought Harold rapidly. "'Now look here, Hawkins,' he went on, "'taking his hands from the inspector's shoulders.' "'I've got to get to London in the shortest possible time, "'even if I have missed the express. "'I know you always have one or two good engines round here. "'Go and tell the station master to get one of those coupled up to a carriage of some sort "'and pull it in just as quickly as he can. "'He needn't worry about the cost, but he must wire up the line, "'stop everything, and give me a free run to King's Cross. "'Hurry up now.' "'He turned away and went back to the motor car.' "'She's gone, Hargreaves. But perhaps I can get a special. "'If I can, will you come to London with me? "'As a matter of fact, I want a man like you, "'and I don't know too many of your sort in England, "'and I believe you've got a bit of influence on this line, haven't you? "'And I have some.' "'What's up?' Enstone? "'Give me the facts, quick. "'And if you are in real trouble, I needn't say that.' "'I know that, Hargreaves. "'The trouble is just this. "'It may not be very understandable to you just now, "'but I will explain it when we get into the special. "'My wife has by some absolutely mysterious means "'been persuaded to go to Paris, "'and after that, to the Lord knows where, "'on a honeymoon trip with Hedley Simons "'and his bride, Karen Atif. "'I just got the telegram at the moment you stopped at the inn up there. "'You've come too fast for me to speak, "'or I would have told you before, but that's so.' "'Oh, good Lord,' replied Hargreaves, getting out of the car. And from what I happen to know of Mr. H.S., I suppose you are pretty anxious to stop that little excursion. Look here. I fortunately happen to know Mr. Sanderson, the district superintendent here. In fact, I did a little bit towards getting him his berth, and if there is anything in the way of specials that he can manage, he'll do it. Come along now, and we'll see. They went into the station, and the inspector met them. He touched the peak of his cap to Harold and said, I've seen the station master, sir, and he'll be glad to see you in his office. This way, sir, if you please. And as it just happens, the line superintendent is with him. Oh, that's all right then, said Hargreaves. I think we can manage things all right now. Come along. The interview with the station master and the line superintendent was not very long, but it was very much to the point. Both Harold Enstone and Hargreaves were known as men to whom money, even in thousands, was of very little account. And when Harold said, after a very brief interview to the superintendent, Look here, sir. I will give you a thousand pounds if you will clear the line and run Mr. Hargreaves and myself through to King's Cross in the fastest possible time. Shunt everything. I'll pay any loss there may be to the company through delay, but I want to get there. He took his cheque book out of the right-hand pocket of his Norfolk jacket and stylographic pen out of the left-hand pocket of his waistcoat, sat down at the table, and wrote out a cheque for a thousand pounds payable to the district superintendent to the account of the Great Northern Railway Company. He blotted it, tore it off, threw it across the table. There you are, Mr. Sanderson. Now what can you do for me? The superintendent picked up the little slip of paper which meant so much, looked at it, and then at the stationmaster. Then he put the cheque down again on the table, took the stationmaster by the arm, and led him away from the table for a few moments, during which he engaged him in a hurried, whispered conversation, punctuated with frequent nods of the station master's head. Then the superintendent came back to the table and said, It is not in my power, Mr. Enstone, to accept this cheque of yours, but, if you will allow it to remain in the safe until the manager comes in the morning, I will take it on my own responsibility to clear the line for you and give you a couple of saloon cars and one of our new flyers that we are going to race the Northwestern with. She's been running one of her trial trips today, and she has to steam up. I'll have her ready alongside the platform in ten minutes, and she'll take you to London inside three hours. That's about half an hour in front of the Scotchman.
1: "'I'm there,'
0: said Enstone, getting up and tossing the cheque towards him. "'You can do what you like with that. "'I'll buy the engine if you like, but have her ready quick. "'You needn't worry about the cars. "'It wouldn't be the first time that I've had a run on an engine.' "'The cars are here, sir,' replied the superintendent. "'And the engine shall be at the platform in a few minutes. "'Mr. Andrews, will you kindly wire down the line and clear it? "'Everything through from here to King's Cross.' She'll about overtake the express at Peterborough, but we don't want any accidents. There won't be any fear of that, said the station master. Specials are specials, and everything else has to keep out of the way for them. That'll be all right, Mr. Enstone. And now, said Hargreaves, I think we may as well go and get a whiskey and soda, and have some provisions for the trip put on board. If you only have a good digestion eating and drinking are a great relief from the variegated worries of life come along let's go and find the bar about ten minutes later they were standing on the platform in front of a long corridor carriage with a big postal brake van behind it there happened to be a very heavy correspondence from the north to london that evening and so the superintendent had taken advantage of the special to get away a few dozen bags which had been too late for the mail a long, high-shouldered, short-funnelled, green-painted, and yet with all graceful shape came sliding in on its fourteen smoothly revolving wheels, until it touched the buffers of the saloon car, hissing, snorting, and vibrating throughout the length and breadth of its steel fabric with the suppressed energy of the 3,000 horsepower which its boilers and furnaces were ready to put into its compound cylinders. As the buffers touched... The superintendent went to the footplate and said to the driver, a grizzled descendant of some Norse invader of a thousand years back, Jock, you are to drive her for all she's worth. We've cleared the line for you, and if ever 999 had a chance of a record, you've got one now. And if the way is right, she'll make it, replied Jock, pulling his beard and looking from end to end of the steel darling of his widowed life. And every minute that you make over ordinary time will be worth a pound to you. And here's something to begin with, said Harold Enstone, putting a five pound note into his hand. And now, as soon as you are ready, I am. All right, gentlemen, replied the driver, climbing back into the cab. And thank you, sir. As soon as you have taken your places, we'll be off. The superintendent conducted the two millionaires to the door of the long saloon carriage, shut it, touched his cap, and signalled right away to the driver there was a shrill hiss of steam under the great engine and with an almost imperceptible motion harold enstone's special slid out of the station and crossed the long high-level bridge over the tyne then the great engine settled down to its work jock let her go and she did go he knew that he had an almost perfect permanent way under him and a clear road in front of him and so When he had cleared the outlying stations, he threw the throttle valve open and gave her her head. Conversation soon became impossible for Enstone and Hargreaves, and so they laid down on the sofas of the luxuriously furnished saloon and surrendered themselves, even in spite of their anxiety, to the rapturous delight of rapid travel. They heard the whistle shriek and saw the lights of Gateshead flash past them in a swift, continuous gleam. They roared out into the darkness. The moon and the stars danced and jumped about the heavens as the great engine and its two satellites plunged thundering through the night. The fields and the scattered woods and the coppices on either side of the line melted into a confused blur. The lights of hamlets and towns a few miles away from the line jumped out of the growing darkness, shone for a moment, and vanished. The special rushed, shrieking and roaring through Peterborough. Where the scotchman lay waiting on a siding and sped away out into the darkness again the lights of grantham glittered out ahead number nine 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 shrieked and thundered through the long station and the next moment the lights were lost behind she covered the hundred and four miles to king's cross in eighty minutes and when they ran up alongside the platform at king's cross as easily and smoothly as though nothing had been done out of the common and the green giant came to a stop. Fizzling as modestly as a tea-kettle, Enstone went to the driver with his watch in hand and said, "'I think that was a rather fine performance. You were almost an hour ahead of the express this time.' Eighty-three miles an hour, sir,' replied Jock. "'And if it hadn't been for the junctions and the cross-lines, I could have made it ninety with safety. She's as fine a bit of machinery as ever run on metals. Talk about your Yankee engines— I'd pull one of them backwards and then make pretty good time. And if it came to racing, I could get a hundred out of her easy. Yes, I dare say you could, replied Enstone. I know you have done your best, but I'm afraid we have cut it too fine. Well, here you are, he continued, putting four five-pound notes into his hand. Share up with your mate. Good night. Now, Hargreaves, quick. A smart hansom. Yes, that will do. Pile in. Charing Cross, he shouted to the driver. As hard as you can go. I will pay the fine if you hurt anyone. The horse was a good one, and the man a good driver. Instead of keeping to the main streets, he went away down the less crowded thoroughfares. Enstone made the journey with a watch in his hand, and at last, as they were bowling down Charing Cross Road, he snapped the case of his watch too, threw himself back with a comprehensive American curse, and said, That's no good, old man. It's nine o'clock. These southeastern trains do sometimes start punctually whatever time they get there, and we cannot hire a great northern flyer here. The horse skated and clattered up into the station. Harold drew the doors open and shouted to a porter, Has the boat train gone? Yes, sir, four minutes ago. Harold jumped out, gave the cabman a sovereign, and strode onto the platform. He found an important official with plenty of gold lace on his cap, and asked him if there were any chance of a special to catch the boat at Dover. The official pondered deeply for a few intolerable moments, and then said with exasperating slowness, Well, no, sir. I'm afraid not tonight. At least one could not be got ready in less than an hour, even if we had an engine, and, you see, the expresses are all out. "'Yes,' said Harold. "'I ought to have known that none of your old kettles on wheels "'on this line would have done it. "'I got a special at Newcastle in ten minutes "'and got here under three hours. "'And this company cannot do seventy-six miles and catch the boat? "'Are you sure?' "'If you will come with me to the station master's office, sir, "'I will see if anything can be done,' replied the official, "'in a tone of injured dignity.' "'Harold followed him, fuming with rage.' and yet not willing to miss even the limited chance of getting what he wanted, but the station master only repeated what his subordinate had said. The traffic on the line was very heavy just then, and a special to catch the boat was quite out of the question, added to which it would be impossible to get the boat and the train on the French side. "'It's no good, Hargreaves. We can do nothing tonight,' he said as he left the office. "'These people have not got an engine that could catch the boat train.' It is only what one might have expected from the amalgamated crawlers. Now the best thing we can do is to get away to the colonel's. And if he happens by good luck to be at home, we might get some information out of him. It is infernally annoying, but I suppose there's no help for it. End of chapter 29